Luke 24, verse 44 to 53. Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message will be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken to heaven. So they worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy, and they spent all of their time in the temple, praising God. Good morning, everyone. Uh, really lovely to be able to preach live this morning. So say, because we are live, you might hear um, Sean and the team. Okay. There we are. They've, they've already gone for it. Uh, they were a little bit early. Um, but um, we are concluding our Luke series. We've been in it uh, since September, so two terms, and there have been some great moments. Um, I'd love you to drop in the chat what has been maybe your takeaway uh, from the series so far, maybe a standout moment, um, and then I'll read those um, from the chat in a minute. But here's the journey that we've uh, been on so far. So Andy McCulloch started us off with the certainty about Jesus. And particularly in September, it still felt like for us as a, as a country, still in moments of uh, uncertainty. But what Andy reminded us was that when we read uh, the book of Luke in the Bible, we know that what we read about Jesus, we can be certain about who Jesus says he is. Uh, David then spoke to us about Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. Liz uh, spoke to us and she had that wonderful, beautiful phrase that, uh, that really stuck with me, that Jesus reveals himself as personal and powerful. We also uh, had the opportunity to hear from Laura, who spoke to us all the way from Peru. And I remember how challenging that preach was, where she spoke about loving our enemies. And that was a really, uh, really practical but challenging uh, preach. And then last week, we had Sean who spoke to us on Easter Sunday. And if you remember last week, Sean spoke about the magic isle in Eldie. And he said that you won't find the crown jewels in that magic isle in Eldie. And in the same way, the women who went to the tomb were not going to find Jesus's body there. And, um, and that's kind of where we've been so far. And um, so let's have a look in the chat um, for kind of if there's any that have come through. Um, maybe not just yet. Um, but I mean, we've had a good series. So if, if they come up in a bit, I, I might have time to, to go back. Um, but it's been a series. We spent a lot of time in it as a church. So it's good to just reflect um, on, on where we've been. And maybe if you can't think of any now, go back. Uh, all of the sermons are on YouTube or on the church website. Have a look. It's been a series that has done a lot of work in us, even though um, we don't know it. But where we're going to pick up uh, today and what Mo has just read is that 
Jesus has been now, he's been raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit and he goes and reveals himself to the disciples and they are on that journey and he reveals himself on the road to Emmaus and then to a group of disciples in the room. I almost feel that for us there is almost a prophetic moment um, in terms of reading this passage where Jesus commissions the disciples and we're ending the series in a period of where uh, lockdown is ending, things are opening up. And I really feel that for us this morning, as we listen to, to what Jesus is saying to us through the Bible, that we would remember that every single one of us have a purpose and that we all have a part to play in God's kingdom. That this whole moment of us ending uh, lockdown and things opening up, like Sean said when he was talking about the roadmap. Uh, the initial kind of thing in us is we might want to uh, just think about ourselves and only concentrate on ourselves. But but Jesus shows us here that we all have a part to play. Mm. We all have a, a place in God's purpose and in his kingdom. And I, I just want to say that if you're here, this is if you're listening to this, it is all of us who have a part to play. Good if you are older in your 70s and 80s, uh, our culture might say that you don't have anything left to contribute, but that is an absolute lie. You do have something to contribute. I need, uh, and our church, my, our generation needs more spiritual mothers and fathers. You still have a part to play in God's kingdom. If you're younger, if you're maybe um, in kids' church and you're watching this with mom and dad, you have a purpose, you have a part to play in God's kingdom. Like God is not waiting for you to turn 18 or go to uni, get a degree or turn 30 before he wants to use you. Yeah. He wants to use you right now. And if you're like me, you're in between that. Maybe you're uh, in your 20s, 30s, uh, 40s. Uh, God wants to use you. And if you're married or not married, you have children or don't have children, God wants to use you. And that's really what I want us to remember, that as we listen to this passage today, that, that God has a purpose for all of us. And he has, all of us have a part to play in his kingdom. And the whole way that we do that is we do it empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that is essentially what we see in this passage. When we look at this passage, Jesus shows us that being filled with the Holy Spirit it's absolutely vital. So when we look at this passage and Jesus talks to the disciples, uh, Jesus is showing the disciples this new way to live. Uh, and it's, uh, it's not just a way for them to continue living, but it's a way for them to continue to thrive as they live. Um, but Jesus, he says there are two things, if you look at the passage, there are two things that the disciples need in order to thrive. The first is to read the Bible. Um, you know, when he talks about their minds being open to the scriptures, that's what Jesus is showing them, mm -hmm. that they need the Bible. They need to see God's story. But they also need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so it's not one or the other. It is both of them hand in hand together. They need the Bible. They need to see God's plan, God's story. But they also need to remember that they are empowered by the Holy Spirit through everything that they do. But for the disciples to live in this new way of thriving, it's not just for themselves to live in a sense of comfort. It's not for them to just have uh, the best life that they can have. But instead, God's commission to them is for the betterment of humanity. I love um, this quote by Dr. Martin, Martin Luther King Jr. 
He says, life's most persistent and urgent question is what can we do for others? I love that. He, uh, Martin Luther King really captures that moment of actually our purpose in life is not to just be focused on ourselves. Where our culture says, think of number one. Martin Luther King helps us remember that being a Christian, it's about looking out for other people. Yes. You know, Jesus is saying to the disciples, don't stay locked away in the rooms that they're in. Uh, but no, they've got to be people who go out and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. But not only preach it, to also show it. But they do so empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this notion of the, um, the disciples being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not something that's new to them. It's something they're super familiar with. You know, when Jesus says to them, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they would have immediately had uh, pictures of David being filled with the Holy Spirit, Samson, uh, Moses laying hands on Joshua, Gideon, all of these people in the Old Testament. They would have remembered all of these people being filled with the Holy Spirit and then bringing transformation and change to the people around them. They would have really fully understood that. So what Jesus is doing here. He is that he is ushering them into this new way of living. That's not just going to be one person who is filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, one leader or one chosen person. But now it's all the people who've put their trust in Jesus. They all have the power of the Holy Spirit living in them to bring transformation and change to those around them. But we also see in this passage, in the second half, when we see Jesus ascend into heaven, towards the end of the passage. We see that Jesus reminds the disciples of who he is. He reminds them of three things. That when we see Jesus ascend into heaven, we know that he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Mm. And what is he doing seated at the right hand of the Father? We see the first thing he's doing is that he is interceding on our behalf. That you and I have an intercessor in heaven at the right hand of the Father. That's what Jesus is doing by his death, his resurrection, and now his ascension into heaven. We see that Jesus is personal, just like Liz said. But Jesus now also reminds us uh, that he is also powerful. Colossians 1 helps us to understand that Jesus, now seated at the right hand of the Father, is holding all of creation together. That is what he's doing. You know, I want you to, if you have a window where you are, to look outside. Uh, You know, it looks a little bit cloudy now. Um, You know, if we think about the weather, I always love that the weather can really communicate uh, power. Um, You know, if we think about Tuesday, Tuesday's weather was off the charts, wasn't it? It was sunny in the morning. It then snowed. It then got a little bit warmer, snowed again, and then it got cold. I remember going to rugby thinking, I don't know how to dress for this. But think about all of those moments that happen and Jesus is holding all of it together. He is personal and powerful. You know, that that phrase Liz said, that is who he is. But Jesus also reminds us the fact that he is seated, physically seated. What is that showing us? It's showing us that his work is completed. That moment where he cries out on the cross, it is finished. Him now ascending into heaven, he is reminding us that sin had no hold on him and it has no hold on us. You know, Jesus sat in heaven now. He's not 
pacing, hoping and, and wondering, oh, is my plan going to work out? Uh, you know, when we read Revelation, he's not hoping that this is where the world is going to get to uh, when we see him again. Jesus' work is finished and the world is on that trajectory towards seeing him come again because his work is done. So we see in this passage that as Jesus ascends into heaven, he's commissioning the disciples to be those who bring the good news of Jesus Christ into the world. But they do so empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, when I read this passage, uh, uh, particularly where the disciples are right now, I feel like it's really similar to to our culture right now. You know, I don't know about you, but I feel like all I do at the moment is just wait for the next announcement. It's we, we watch the news and just wait for where do we go next? What do we do next? Uh, when Boris Johnson came out uh, with the roadmap, the thing I was looking for is when can I go to the gym? When can I get a haircut? You know, for me, the, the, the phrase is gym and trim, um, which for me happens tomorrow, um, which I'm so excited about. But I'm sure you can all uh, resonate with that, can't you? Just all we've been doing is just waiting. Where, what do we do next? Where do we go next? And this is, you know, maybe what the disciples feel like. G they've been with Jesus for three years. He then dies. They think they, they don't know if he's been raised from the dead again. And maybe they're questioning, where, where do we go? What do we do? What is our purpose? And that's loads like us. But we need to remember that Jesus's last words to the disciples are the same words to us. That you and I have a purpose and that purpose is to bring God's kingdom wherever we go. And the thing is that we do need to first fight the urge to just simply look internally. And Sean touched on it when he was talking about the roadmap, those idols of consumerism of individualism it is in all of us you know Emma and I when we kind of heard that things are open up, opening up in June we our first thoughts were to what can we do for ourselves where can we go on holiday uh, what can we catch up on and those things are not bad it's not bad to go on holiday it's not bad to to catch up with family um, but but it showed that actually the, the place that we went first is to look out for ourselves but that's not what Jesus says to us. But I know that uh, this is so much easier said than done. Um, but I, I think the way for us to move forward in this is to, is to really become dependent on God for everything. It's to move to a place of dependence. And, you know, in the West, we love to control things, don't we? Uh, we, we love to be in control. And I know that for many of us as Christians, uh, particularly um, in Reading, if, if you are watching from Reading. Um, but one of the things is we, we know in our heads that we need to depend on God. We know that, don't we? You know, even when I was prepping this, I was thinking we all know we need to depend on God. But there's something that just doesn't outwork itself. That's right. You know, I, I, I see this this notion of wanting to be in control, I see it outworked in the smallest things. So, for example, um, Emma will offer to make us dinner and I'll say, yes, that'll be lovely. And she says, OK, Tex, can you just sit in the kitchen and talk to me? And that'll be lovely. So I said, Emma, you're in control. You make dinner. But what happens is while she's cooking, I'm, I then ask her, oh, Em, 
have you put enough salt in that? Or um, is, are you sure that's how you do that? And then I even go as far as getting up to stir the pot. And then Emma turns to me and she's like, Tex, am I cooking or are you cooking? And isn't that moment just illustrative of what life can be like for us? That we say, yes, God, you're in control until it starts to look different or until what we like it to be. But we need to be dependent on God. And our culture looks down at being dependent on God. But actually, dependence is a good thing. Because what dependence shows us, it shows us that in and of ourselves, on our own, we cannot fulfill ourselves. We cannot give ourselves everything that we need. Dependence humbles us. But the beauty of our faith is that we are never left in a place of deficit. It's, it's not like Jesus says to us, oh, here you are, humanity. You're broken, but now you stay there and you, you can't fulfill yourself and you stay there. But instead, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to be able to carry on in life and to bring transformation and change. Jesus doesn't leave us as we are. He's given us the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. You know, that, that, that fancy word of being continually being made into the image of Christ day by day. That is the beauty of our faith, that we're not left in that place of deficit, but we have the Holy Spirit working in us. And when we look at Jesus talking about uh, him forgiving sin uh, for all those who repent in the story, we also see that the gospel of Jesus Christ shows us our place in God's story. And Jesus starts off by doing that, by talking about the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And when he's talking to the disciples, he's showing them their place in God's big story. That God's plan to reconcile humanity back to himself has always been to send Jesus. You know, it's Jesus isn't God's plan B. He is always the way that we were supposed to be reconciled back to God. And that story is our story. But in order for us to live our lives um, as ones that are full of God's purpose, uh, we need to be released from things. And this is when Jesus talks about repenting here. The word repent, it has that, uh, the meaning behind the word is also a sense of releasing. And I know that Many of us, uh, we search for meaning and a sense of purpose in the wrong things. Uh, we search for it in money. We search for it in uh, maybe in a relationship, in buying a house, in our careers, uh, you know, in, in loads of other things. And in one sense, those things in and of themselves are not bad. But that is not where God wanted us to end up. That is not his plan and purpose for us, that we get, that we accumulate the most money that we can or the right house or the right relationship. But instead, uh, what Jesus comes and does when he dies on the cross, his, uh, he, it infiltrates, the gospel infiltrates every single area of our lives. That's right. You know, it's not just the forgiveness of the bad actions or the bad thoughts that we have. But the gospel, it, it almost like infiltrates every nook and cranny of our lives. And, and as a result, it then um, 
It changes the way that we act, the way that we think, and the way that we see the world. And Jesus releases us from being a slave to money. Mm. Jesus releases us from a pressure to perform. It's good text. Jesus releases us from thinking we'll find security in a house. Jesus releases us from thinking that we'll find satisfaction in a relationship. Jesus releases us from fear. He releases us from guilt and he releases us from shame. Jesus is here to bring a releasing to you now, to bring you freedom now. I may not have mentioned the thing that you need releasing from, but you, you know what you need releasing from. I know what you, I know what I need releasing from. So can I encourage you to, to use the, uh, the prayer button? You know, if you know that you just need releasing from something in order for you to, to live your life of purpose. Use the prayer button. Someone will pray for you. They won't be there to judge you. won't be there to talk at you. They want to listen to you. Good but if, if maybe you don't feel comfortable using the prayer button, can I encourage you to right now text someone that you trust? You know, message them, say, hey, I really struggle with this. Will you please pray for me and support me? And if you're someone who gets a text, it's not just a one-off prayer or one-off support. This is the beauty of churches, that we support one another daily, monthly, weekly, yearly, you know, whatever it looks like. We need the support of one another to bring releasing, as Jesus does it through us by his Holy Spirit. This will probably be the only time I ever say, text in a preach. <laughs> but do do it if you need it. So what does Jesus show us? He shows us that the gospel is something that infiltrates every area of our lives and it is one that gives us purpose and reminds us that we don't need to be slaves to whatever we think will give us security, but instead the gospel releases us so that we can be then freed up to be those who bring his kingdom wherever we are. So as I close, I just want us to look at what Jesus shows us here. He shows us that for us to be people who go out into the world and bring his kingdom, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we need to be people who keep our gaze on Jesus. And I've just got four practical R's that I think help us keep our gaze on Jesus. The first one is remember. Keep reminding yourself that you are not alone and you're not alone in two senses. The first is that you're in a church community. You have people around you to help you follow Jesus. It's good text. It's good. You ha when you feel like you're wobbling and you want to kneel, uh, you know, if you just kind of want to get on your knees because you're so tired, you have a church community that should be helping you stand up, helping you walk, even if they have to carry you for a little bit. You're not alone. But you're also not alone because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Another brilliant way to remember is to read the Bible. You know, that's what Jesus says. It's the Bible and the Holy Spirit. You've got to read the Bible. But can I encourage you, don't just read it on your own. Read it with friends. The second R is rejoice. So the last verse of this passage 
it talks about the disciples leaving and rejoicing and going into the temple worshipping God. So we've got to be people who keep thanking God even when we can't see him working. And what I love about the book of Luke is that it ends with rejoicing, but it also starts with rejoicing in Zechariah in the temple. So being thankful and rejoicing is a key part of our day today. The third R is request. And I ask God for two things on a daily basis. The first one is that God would keep filling me with love and compassion for people. Because I know that I, I can so quickly just want to think about myself and take care of myself. But I know that by the help of the Holy Spirit, when I ask God to fill me with love and compassion for people, he does. And my outlook on life changes. I don't become the centre, but actually God's people um, and, and all human beings, because they're made in the image of God, become the people that I care for because God is uh, shaping me and changing me by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the second thing I like to ask God for on a daily basis is just help with everything. In my family, we, we ask for help for small things like getting a parking space on our road. Sean mentioned how hard it is to park. Even if you live there, it is really hard to park. Um, but also then with big things, if, if we have a crisis, um, but what, what that does is it emphasises our dependence on God. The last R is renew. We've all got to keep saying yes to Jesus daily, every morning. You know, the, the, that moment where you, you get out of bed and your feet hit the ground, let's say yes to Jesus in those moments. Yeah. Say yes to Jesus again. For me, I know that I don't want to be saying yes to Instagram first thing in the morning or the news or Twitter, whatever your first action is on your phone. I know that by the power of the Holy Spirit, what I want to say is yes to Jesus first. So the, uh, the four R's are remember, rejoice, request and renew. So I've given us four tools of how to maybe do this on a daily basis, but I want to give us now a moment to respond and to say yes to Jesus this morning. So it's five past 11. So maybe you haven't had a chance to say yes to Jesus uh, first thing this morning. But here, we're now going to go into, oh, we're going to go into a minute. Um, sorry, I don't know why I said that. But in a minute, we're going to go into a response song. And it's going to give all of us an opportunity to say yes to Jesus daily. The song is Refiner. And it's going to take courage to sing these lyrics because it talks about us being trial by fire and saying yes to Jesus. But Reading Family Church, the town of Reading needs Jesus and Jesus wants to use us. And we need to say yes to Jesus for the sake of the town. But we don't do so in our own strength. We don't do so by having to muster up every ounce of energy. But we know that we can rely on the Holy Spirit who is at work in us. If you are, I also know that for some of us, it's not easy to respond in this way. Uh, I've heard that particularly for families with children, that this response isn't easy. But one of the most foundational things that my parents did with me was... They got me in church to stand up, as well as midweek, to stand up and sing with them. So can I encourage you, if you're a parent and, and you've got kids, 
stand up with them and sing the song with them, it will lay foundations in them that will pay dividends in 15 years. But sing as families together. If you're on your own, let's take this moment to say yes to Jesus and to, to keep saying yes to him daily. Um, so can I encourage you, let's be on the front foot. Let's not be passive. Let's not wait till tomorrow. Let's not wait till Monday. Jesus, he has new mercies for us every morning that you can step into right now. And even if you need releasing from those things, Jesus is here for you.